Hello, everybody. Happy to be here. That's it. Pass That's it, it off. <laughs> All right. So, good morning. My name is Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater. Recovered today by God's grace and mercy. Thanks for having us here today. I'll let my colleague and friend... Uh, I'm used to doing this at work, so I said colleague, but I'll let my friend Russ also introduce himself. Russ, I'm recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I'm just, just blessed to be here. I, I'm a, I, oof, I appreciate being here, so I hope today will be beautiful. So this is what I thought we would do. So uh, the 12th step, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Who came here for a spiritual experience? <laughs> That's interesting. See, because I didn't come to OA for a spiritual experience. I came to OA because I was fat and I couldn't stop eating. So spiritual experience was not even close to the uh, primary reason for showing up here. But as a result, because of, the, because of the recovered individuals that were here when I got here and explained to me the fatal nature of this disease, I realized that the only hope I had was a spiritual experience. You know, I wasn't prodded with this idea that, you know, a sponsor was going to get, get me abstinent and get me recovered. I wasn't prodded with this idea that even the Fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous was going to get me there. I was told the facts that if I need, if I need, what I have is lack of power. And if I, and I needed power and it couldn't be human power. And I needed to, I need to have a spiritual experience. So it wasn't, it wasn't virtue, it wasn't circumstance, I'm sorry, it wasn't virtue that drove me to a spiritual experience. It was circumstance that drove me to have a spiritual experience. And I can say with, with, with complete certainty and confidence that I did indeed have a spiritual experience as a result of working these steps. I thought what we would do is, uh, 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 people familiar with this book, the AA 12 and 12? It has a lot of really good information in there, and you kind of use it as a framework to walk through this workshop, if this works for everybody. If it doesn't work as we're going along, we could always depart from it and you know, tell stories if we like. How's that sound? <laughs> um, so we'll start, all right? The, uh, the joy of living is the theme of AA's 12th step. And action is the key word. Here we turn outward toward our fellow alcoholics who are still in distress. Here we experience the kind of giving that asks no rewards. Here we begin to practice all 12 steps of the program in our daily lives so that we and those about us may find emotional sobriety. When the 12 step is seen in its full implication, it is really take, talking about the kind of love that has no price tag on it. Our 12th step also says that as a result of practicing all steps, we have found something called spiritual, a spiritual awakening. To new AAs, this often, or OAs, this often seems like a very dubious and improbable state of affairs. What do we mean when we talk about a spiritual awakening, they ask? Maybe there are many definitions of a spiritual awakening, as there are people who have had them. But certainly, each genuine one has something in common with all the others. And these things, which they have in common, are not too hard to understand. When a man or woman has a spiritual awakening, the most important meaning of it is that he now become able to do 
feel, and believe that which he could not before on his unaided strength and resources alone. He has been granted a gift which amounts to a new state of consciousness and being. He has been set on a path which tells him he is really going somewhere. That life is not dead is not a dead end, not something to be endured or mastered. In very real sense, he has transformed because he has laid hold of a source of strength which, in, the way of an, in, in one way or another, he had hitherto denied himself. He finds himself in possession of a degree of honesty, tolerance, unselfishness, peace of mind, and love of which he had thought himself quite incapable. What he has received is a free gift, and yet usually, at least in some small part, he has made himself ready to receive it. So the first question I have is, what the hell does hitherto mean? <laughs> Anybody? Yes. Up to a certain point. Okay, so up to a certain point, these were unattainable. Thank you. Anybody have any questions, thoughts, or comments they'd like to make on what we read? I'll tell you, you know, um, it, it, it's very interesting that it speaks about how this transformation comes about, right? Like, the, like these things. I had, my experience was I had been to OA before. You know, I, I, entered, I entered OA through AA after I found, after I, after I uh, realized that I had problems other than alcohol and I was using food for, for comfort and uh, to get out of myself. And uh, I, was, I was pretty certain that this was a, a diet and calories club, regardless of what you all said in the preamble, right? Like I was, I was absolutely certain that's what it was and I approached it that way. And I had, and I had um, several... <coughs> several months and several experiences of being in, you know, rooms in this building and, and, and uh, you know, being absent for six days and binge for one day and still consider myself in the program, you know, and, 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 and uh, you know, because of, because of, you know, for whatever reason, didn't suffer the direct implications, but I have a progressive illness and it just continued to get worse. So I thought, I, I always thought, even coming back to OA, that, you know, this was going to be something that I was just going to have to endure. And what this tells me, what we read, is that it's not. I don't. I'm not going to endure it. I'm going to be. I'm going to be. I'm going to have a freedom that uh, that that this program guarantees. You want to read something? So okay. this okay. is okay. Uh, coming up. You know, I'm thinking of this. What Pete said and a spiritual experience. I definitely didn't come for a spiritual experience because I felt. You know, I'm a Christian. <laughs> I got. You know, I got to figure it out. You know. I. I came because someone a, a recovering crack a recovered crack addict planted the seed because i just he he saw who's one of my dearest friends now he saw in me that things were falling apart and it wasn't really about the food i didn't come because of the food really i just came because i thought you know you know i'm overweight that's great i didn't care i'd rather you know if i could stay heavy and not be crazy it would be cool but uh it was because my life was falling apart and I didn't understand that I had this relationship with God and why everything was falling apart and life wasn't going my way. So this, that, these paragraphs brought that up and moving forward here, that freedom. I thought, it's just like Pete, you know, not, not so much the food, but life, I would just have to deal with it. This is something that I'm going to have to be working my whole life, this miserableness, this craziness, and not being able to just survive, just be 
a regular person in life. So that's basically how I, <laughs> it's because, you know, I know food, you know, I'm Sicilian. So it's like, that's part of it. That's part of the deal. Right. So I guess I have to connect and get my life together through the food, but it wasn't, it wasn't like that. You know, it's like, I needed it more than I even knew I needed it. So, um, and yes, the spiritual experience is coming, you know, it's, educational variety but you know it's coming it's coming so let me let me read here aa's manner of making ready to receive this gift lies in the practice of the 12 steps of our program so let's consider briefly what we have been trying to do up to this point step one showed us an amazing paradox we found that we were totally unable to rid be rid of the alcohol obsession until we admit it first we are powerless over it. In step two, we saw that we could not restore ourselves to sanity. Some higher power must necessarily do so if we were to survive. Consequently, in step three, we turned over our will and our lives to, over to the care of God as we understood him. For the time being, we who are atheists or agnostic discovered that our own group or AA as a whole would suffice <clears throat> as, a, as a higher power. Beginning with step four, we commenced to search out the things in our, our lives which had brought us to physical, moral, and spiritual bankruptcy. We, we, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory. Looking at step five, we decide, decided that, inventory, that an inventory taking alone would be enough, wouldn't be enough. We, we would have it we would have to quit the dead, deadly business of living alone with our conflicts and in honesty confide, confide these to God and another human being. At step six, many of us balked for the practical reason that we did not wish to have all our defects of character removed because we still love some of them way, I'm gonna say way too much, right? Too much. Yet we knew we had to make the settlement with a fundamental principle of, of step six. So I just want to stop there. Okay. So the, the, whew, the, the first five up to six, man, it was like, you know, I, I think I knew my you know, step one in 2007. You know, I, I knew I, you know, life and food and everything, everything about my existence had me. You know, I, I, I was powerless over it. You know, I, I knew that I was a mess. I was a train wreck, and I couldn't do anything about it. And, uh, you know, my, <laughs> you know I, I knew I needed something else. I thought I had it. You know, I thought, you know, I, I'd be begging God, please take this off of me. I can't, you know, I can't really exist. You know, the anxieties, the rage, you know, I'm, I'm binging like, like, like a crazy man every day. Like, I, I would ask God to take that off of me. But it wasn't, you know, until, I guess, you know, it was done. Ja January of um, 2017, January 16th. That's when I, I took my, my step three, you know. Like, I know we had to work the program and then I had to officially take it, but I, I believe I, I had enough, I, I, I had surrendered. And that's really, that, at that moment, in my kitchen, on <laughs> on my knees, in front of my refrigerator, there was there was a <laughs> this some some of that obsession was lifted, 
and there was like that little crack in the door, you know, that little bit of glimmer of light that I would be okay. And then I, you know, had to proceed with the steps. But you know, step three was that was huge for me. But it was like I, you know, I didn't. I had to take it. It's like I had nowhere else to. You know, I could only. I was done. I was done. So. I think what I what 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 I appreciate here. So we'll 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 continue on from step six. But what's what what you could appreciate is that this is all twelve steps in one paragraph, right? It's not a drawn out. It's not an extensive analysis. Doesn't require months and months of research. It's in one paragraph. It reviews all the steps, and that's really all they are. I think what's also interesting what we read, and we'll go back to it, is that. It says in, it, it, it reviews step one, powerless, and, and, and revisits re, step two, being willing to believe in the power of greater self. And in step three, it says we did something, right? It says we turned our life and will over the care of God. Like it's, it's, it's say we made a decision to, it says we did it, right? So it was an action of doing something. I turned my life and will over the care of God, right? So we decided that while we still had some flaws of character that we could not yet relinquish, we ought to nevertheless... We ought, nevertheless, to quit our stubborn, rebellious, hanging on to them. We said to ourselves, this I cannot do today, perhaps, but I can stop crying out, no, never. Then in step seven, we humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings, such as he could or would under the conditions of the day we asked. In step eight, we continued our house cleaning, for we saw that we were not only in conflict with ourselves, but also with people and situations in the world in which we lived. We had to begin to make our peace, and so we listed the people we had harmed and became willing to set things right. We followed this up in step nine by making direct amends to those concerned, except when it would injure them or the other people. By this time at step 10, we had begun to get a basis for daily living and we keenly realized that we would need to continue taking personal inventory and that when we were wrong, we ought to admit it promptly. In step 11, we saw that if a higher power had restored us to sanity and had enabled us to live with some peace of mind in a sorely troubled world, then such a higher power was worth knowing better by as, by as direct contact as possible. The persistent use of meditation and prayer we found did upon, I'm sorry, the persistent use of meditation and prayer we found did upon the channel so that where there had been a trickle, there was now a river which led to sure power and safe guidance from God as we were increasingly better able to understand him. And I'm just going to read this one more paragraph, and then we're going to stop. So practicing these steps, we had a spiritual awakening, which finally there was no question. Looking at, the, looking at those who were only beginning and still doubting themselves, the rest of us were able to see the, thing setting, the, the change setting in. From great numbers of such experiences, we could predict that the doubter who still claimed that he hadn't got the spiritual angle and who still considered his well-loved AA group the higher power would presently love God and call him by name. So that's the program, right? So what is this message? Just carry this message. So what's the message? 
Well, let's hear it. Who's, uh, this, uh, people didn't come just to listen, I'm sure, right? So <laughs> let's, let's go around the room. What do you think the message is? What is this message? So the message is that, um, you know, I mean, it basically it's like, you know, I mean, a spiritual awakening, really. Good. Anybody else? Uh, the message could be that you're not alone. There are people who are struggling with you. Um, you're, you know, like that's what I get out of it when, when I talk to people who've been around for a long time. You know, it's comforting to me to know that they're, they're carrying the message to me. Yeah. I'm still suffering. And um, I guess the message for me is that I'm not alone. Yeah, that's helpful, right? That could relate to others, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there, there's, there's strength to a certain degree. Yeah. There's some strength I can get from, from relating to others. Good, I like that. Yes? Um, I think the message is to totally have faith in God and to put your trust in God and to turn your life over to God and when you have troubles and difficulties to seek God instead of substances outside of yourself. Yeah. I like that. I know for the recording, it's going to be difficult to hear the responses. They're all super good, and I, I, I apologize, but uh, yes. Uh, there's a phrase that I've heard in the rooms, keep coming back, and that is you aren't necessarily going to get the message on the third time you come to the room or the 15th time. Uh, it might be 11 years into coming to rooms, but what you do need, and I'm going to go back to that metaphor, is the crack in the refrigerator. Once you have that crack, it can grow bigger and bigger, and using that is what the spiritual awakening is. But in order to get that, you have to keep trying. I like it. So, you know, I thought about, I was thinking about this last night. I'm doing some projects around my house, and I get some time. It's almost like a meditation for me, where I can just reflect, and I I can seek guidance. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, this message, what is this message? And you know, for a long time, I, I, I don't know if I necessarily got it right. Like I thought, I thought that, well, I'm miserable. You guys were miserable. If I go and if I seek, if I seek fellowship, that that misery will lift and it will, it does, right? But what I was missing, I, I, never, I never understood the implications of this condition. In my mind, I was an alcoholic and food was an inconvenience, right? Food kept me from living, you know, my best life. I always minimized the condition. I never, right? So the, this message is, is that, uh, and this is, this is, you know, as Pete sees it, right? The, this message is, this is a fatal progressive illness that only gets worse, never better. I'll never, ever be relieved of it. It'll never ever be completely out of my system. I'll never be, I'll never get to the point where I'm recovered and I can start eating chocolate chip brownies. It, I, this condition, if left untreated, gets worse, never better. But we have a program that if followed precisely, sequentially, and effectively, I can recover. I can get on the other side of this, that we have a solution to that problem. That solution is entire abstinence from the substances that cause the phenomena of craving, right? The substances that cause the phenomena of craving and, and, and finding a power that's greater than myself that allow me 
to be restored to sanity. I was paraphrasing there. I lost my chain of thought for a second, right? So I've, and, and aligning my will with that God and finding, following the rest of these steps to, to, to discard the wreckage of my past that was blocking me from this, from this power. And that I could, in fact, recover. See, I didn't, I didn't know that that was possible. I didn't know that, that I could get on the other side of this thing, that I could react sanely and normally to a pl- plate of pasta, right? <laughs> Like it was, like it was, you know, poison, right? Like I'd stay away from it, you know. I'm, I'm powerless over it. I'm not helpless over it, right? It can't leap out of the plate and jump down my throat, right? Like I could be in a position of neutrality. And that's what I think this message is: is that this is a program where, if worked, if worked the way it's outlined in the book to work, that I can the 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 obsession could be removed, and I could live a happily and usefully whole life. I want to say something because for someone who's been around for a long time is that was really important for me to know what this message was versus the message I, I was seeking and I always one of the I like to compare and I am not a sports person but it's like I was attending baseball camp trying to play cricket hmm. and then it's sort of similar but it's not the same so I was in a 12-step program pursuing an eight tool program I was in a program saying that I was relapsing and if recovery is the 12 steps, I wasn't relapsing because I wasn't doing the steps. What I was doing was I was, the disease was progressing and the fellowship couldn't keep me, give me relief for shorter, shorter periods of time. Mm-hmm. And what I was seeking was relief, whereas the 12 steps were guaranteeing me freedom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was that understanding that, yeah, this message is so key. The message is, step is the problem fatal nature of the disease, the solution, a spiritual awakening, but the other part is the program of action to get me there. Mm-hmm. And if I don't understand those three parts, then I'm just going to falter in and out of recovery. You know, I keep coming back. I remember when someone told me, why don't you just stay? Mm-hmm. Because meetings do not treat compulsive overeating. Right. Meetings expose you to the treatment. And if I don't do that, I'm not going to get it. And that analogy of understanding, okay, it's not that the 12 steps didn't work. It's I wasn't doing the 12 steps as prescribed. So if mm-hmm. I'm going to baseball camp, I better start learning baseball and stop trying to play cricket. Yeah. I know for me, my overeating got worse when I got to OA. Yeah. It got worse because I heard people doing things with food that I never tried and gave me the okay to do it. I'm not, uh, you know, like that was because my disease was left untreated. You know, and so all, you know, now I'm, now I'm eating, you know, stuff in the middle of the night and not brushing my teeth, right? And now, now I'm doing things with food like I just never thought I would do. And, and I was like, well, they did it, you know? So like, you know, I got worse when I came that way. I related to others. I related to others. I said to myself, well, if they could do it, why can't I? No. This, um, the message for me, thinking about this as we're reading and hearing everybody, you know, that restlessness, that edginess, that, some, that turmoil, that inner turmoil in my soul, you know, that's, that will, I eat because of that. You know, that's, that's the reason why I'm an addict. That's why I'm, I'm wired that way. I don't know. I can't figure it out. It's the way the big man upstairs made me. But maybe that's for a good thing. Because the message to me, what I've learned, when I came in the doors, when I've been around recovered people, what they showed me 
He said, yes, we need the, the steps, we need the big book, we need the fellowship. You gotta work the program. But what we ultimately, what I ultimately needed, what I was taught and handed down to me was that total reliance and dependence on God is the only thing that's gonna relieve me of this, this stuff, of life in general. And I couldn't manage simple things. So that's the message that, that, that was given to me, that was handed to me, that was shared to me, with me. <laughs> but it takes work to get to that point. You know, it's like, that's not going to come. Just you have to work through these things. And that's another hinge of that, uh, of the message is that, you know, we have to, to get, to have God occupy that part of your soul or your heart that all this mess is occupying, you have to go through this work. And um, that's what was given to me. That's what was shared with me. It wasn't just, oh, I love you. You're my friend. Okay, eat what you want. No. Uh-uh. So we'll go on. We'll, we'll, yep. uh, go. So, so now about the rest of the 12th step. The wonderful energy it releases and the eager action by which it by by which it carries our message to the next suffering alcoholic, which finally translate the 12 step into action upon all our affairs is the payoff, the magnificent rea reality of Alcoholics Anonymous. Even the newest of newcomers finds undreamed rewards as he tries to help his brother alcoholic, the one who is even blinder than he. This is indeed the kind of giving that actually demands nothing. He does not expect his brother sufferer to pay him or even love him. And then he discovers that by the divine paradox of this kind of giving, he has found his own reward. Whether his brother has yet received anything or not, his own character may still be gravely defective, but he somehow knows that God has enabled him to make a mighty beginning, and he senses that he stands at the edge of new mysteries, joys, and experience of which he had never dreamed. So I like to talk a lot, so I'm going to talk a lot again. So it's funny, <laughs> when, I, when I first entered a 12-step recovery program, there were certain things. They told me I could, I, could, I could take what I want and I could leave the rest. I could leave the rest of what I don't want. And I, and, I, and I could remember consciously saying this aspect of helping others was going to be the part I'd leave behind. I was not interested in, you know, dragging drunks off of bar stools or pulling people off of the buffet line. It was not something that was of interest to me. I was consumed about me, and didn't and I, my own problems and my own and my own issues. And I would come home, and I would call my sponsor at the end of the day in doing what I thought at the time was a tenth step, which was to tell him all of the why everybody wronged me and what was going on in my life. And and his name was John, and I'd call up and I'd say. Uh, there's my problem, there's my problem, and he'd listen to it, and he would take me to the big book. He said, that sounds like fear. What does fear say that we do? Very, very helpful, and I'm still like, it's still not relating to my boss who, who's treating me wrong. In any case, this one day I called him, and he said, he clicked over on his phone, he had a call waiting, he said, I, uh, we got back to talking, and he said, I just got a call from Joe, Joe picked up, and he's locked in a hotel room in Wildwood. You go, I lived in Wildwood at the time. You go there and pick him up and take him to the meeting. It's going to start at 7. It's like 6.30. And I'm like, but wait, 
I, I, you know, I, I still had, didn't get a chance to tell him my problem, my pressing problem, right? I'm pissed. I'm driving to pick up Joe, thinking about how I'm going to set up my story when I finally get the chance to talk to my sponsor later in the evening because I thought I'd see him at the meeting, and he wasn't there. So I wound up taking this guy, and this guy's telling me all the reasons why he picked up and all these things, and, I'm, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, but you know what happened to me at work? I had no interest, <laughs> no interest, no interest at all in listening to what he had to say. And we go to the meeting, and everybody's sharing at the meeting, and all I'm thinking about is my problem. All I'm thinking about is my problem. No relief whatsoever. And then I drive him back from the meeting, take him there, and he goes in, and then the next day when I get home from work, John called me. How'd it go with Joe? Oh, it went fine, it went fine. I took him to the meeting, went to the meeting, everything went fine, I took him back, I dropped him off, he go, oh, okay, good. Now what was that problem you were telling me about? And I had no idea what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't make any sense. You know, a selfish, self-centered, self-seeking individual like myself, I didn't even, I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't feeling the message of Alcoholics Anonymous being delivered. I was taking the action of Alcoholics Anonymous and doing what the, pro, what the program says to say, and my problems were relieved. My, you know, so this was, what I found at that point in time, that, the, that, that carrying the message, doing 12-step work, was the way out of me. It was the way I was going to get out of me. Like, when, when, when I start feeling disconnected, right, I don't start, you know, seeking, I don't call my sponsor to get connected, I call my sponsees to connect to them, right? They're, they're, they, they, the, the, the miraculous thing is that this thing, like, they're my resource, I'm not their resource, you know what I mean? Like that's the, the key is I'm getting something from them. Regardless of whether they are recovering or not, they're my source to get out of me. There's no way out of me unless it's through you. And that's the thing that I, you know, I, so, so, you know, I hear all the time. My 12-step work is 100% successful, right? Because I don't pick up, you know, God willing, today I haven't, I haven't and I didn't pick up yesterday. I haven't since May 22nd of 2017 and I've been sober since May 27th of 1997 and I have worked with people from that point forward because it was what I found what the relief was, right? Like this 12-step this work is what saves me from picking up. Not that I'm getting, like that these people are, if the, if the people that we work with or carry this message to are getting something from it, that's an added benefit, right? That's, that's nice, but the real the fact of the matter is, is that's what's keeping me recovered. Any thoughts, comments, or questions, or should we keep going? <laughs> Nor is it the only kind of 12-step work. We sit in AA meetings and listen, not only to receive something ourselves, but to give the reassurance and support which our presence can bring. If our turn comes to speak at a meeting, we again try to carry AA's message. Whether our audience is one or many, it is still 12-step work. There are many opportunities, even for those of us who feel unable to speak at meetings or are so situated that we cannot do much face-to-face 12-step -face work. We can be the ones who take on the unspectacular but important tasks that make good 12-step work possible, perhaps arranging for coffee and cake after, the, well, we're not arranging for cake. 
<laughs> where so many skeptical, suspicious newcomers have found confidence and comfort in the laughter and talk. So, so I, I highlighted this when I first went through the book because it's very important. If our turn comes to speak at a meeting, we again try to carry AA's message. And we talked about what the message was, right? I didn't think that that's what I was supposed to do. I thought that the meeting was to bring your problem to the meeting. Bring your problem to the meeting, put a dollar in the basket, and when you're finished, it'll feel better. And that's not what it says. That's not what the meeting's for. The me- these meetings were set up for people who have recovered to come and carry the message to the people who haven't. So that when my turn, when my time comes to speak, I'm speaking to carry the message to the next sick and suffering, to allow somebody who maybe has, who hasn't recovered to share their issues, right? So this, this is, it's important. Also, it's saying that 12-step work is attending the meeting and listening, right? Like sometimes that's, sometimes that's all I can do is show up and listen. But when I show up and listening, I'm being supportive and I'm being and, I, and I'm being and I'm con- trying to contribute, and that's very effective twelve-step work. Lost my spot right there. Okay, there it is. <laughs> we we may often pass through twelve-step experiences where we will seem to be temporarily off the beam. These will appear as big setbacks at the time, but will 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 be seen later as stepping stones to better things. For example, we may set our hearts on getting a particular per- person sobered up, and after doing all we can for months, we see him relapse. Perhaps this will happen in a succession of cases, and we may deeply be deeply discouraged as to our ability to carry AA's message. Or we may encounter the reverse situation, in which we are highly elated because we seem to have been successful. Here the temptation is to become rather possessive of these newcomers. Perhaps we try to give them advice about their affairs, which we aren't really competent to give or ought not to give at all. Then we are hurt and confused when the advice is rejected or when it is accepted and brings still greater confusion. By a great deal of ardent 12-step work, we sometimes carry the message to, to so many alcoholics that they place us in a position of trust. That They make us, let us say, the group's chairman. Here again, we are presented with the temptation to overmanage things, and sometimes this result, this results in rebuffs and other consequences, which are hard to take. That's the one I gotta watch right there. You know, it, I, I want to get to so many people. Um, you know, my heart—I don't know. I just feel like I—you know—I owe it. I owe it because of what was given to what, what the miracle that is taking place in my life that I have to, you know give it away and which we should right but then <laughs> when somebody doesn't want to take what i'm giving you know then i get hurt mm-hmm. you know then then i get upset or just like that said man that advice went well oh man should get my oa t-shirt you know put it on <laughs> you know what i mean like miss captain oa you know and it's i'm, I'm learning through all, all this you know being a temperamental person and very emotional person that you know I take everything personal and this is really the the program itself by guys like Pete my other guys that are around me my my brothers in program they taught me how to how to be like this you know just just be don't take it personal and just let God handle it 
And there's a surrender in that 12-step work too. You know, you can only share the message. The way the person receives, that's up to them. I don't know who it's up to. I just know you can only share what you can share. And the way they react is on them. And a lot of times I would, you know, I'm the chairman, man. I got to take that back. Like, what did I do wrong? You know, I got to be the perfect sponsor. I got to be the perfect guy to share. This person didn't get it. It's not, it's not up to me. And I have to constantly work on that. So this, this paragraph here brought that out. You know, hit me in, right, right in the head. Cause, yeah, you know. when we were reading that, I was thinking, um, it's funny, you know, I, 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 we're all, uh, it's nice that the fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous and the fellowship, the other fellowships out there and all well-intentioned, well-meaning individuals, right? We sincerely, I mean, sincerely want to help. You know, the, the funny thing is, is that, and we said this earlier, right? We could relate here. There's fellowship here. There's strength here, right? There, there's all that stuff. What's not here is power. Because it, it's, that, it's human power, right? And see, so even if we wanted to and we all decided, let's focus on him or her, we're all gonna, we're all gonna take a shift, right? You get 15, we're gonna take 15 minutes with that person, right? If that person's gonna eat, nobody's gonna stop them from eating. And if they're not gonna eat, nobody's gonna make them eat, right? There's no, you know, that power, that, that is either removed or it isn't, right? That is either removed or it isn't. We have no, we have no way, the only thing that we can be is an example. Our book says no human power, no effective mental defense. It's up to that person and their, and, and their higher power. It's not up to us. We're responsible for the effort. The results, are, the results are in God's hands. When we can approach 12-step work from that perspective, that is when we have the opportunity, in my humble opinion, to be truly effective, to do the best job we can, regardless of the results. Regardless if the person decides to take, the, take it and use it or not take it and use it, to love them anyway. Right? I don't not, we're not offended if it's not successful. Again, the benefactor is me. Mm-hmm. And just putting that for, that's to, you know, to, to me, that's 12-step work. Well done. We cannot. I'm gonna. I, I always share stories from that my that my sponsor tells, and I try to tell them like they're mine, but they're it's not. And he tells a story about there was a, they were uh, a part of this group, and a person called from Skid Row needed to get bailed out, and the old timer t- took the only guy who had a car, which was the new guy, and he says, "Let's go get this guy." And and as they're driving to pick him up, the uh, the 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 old timer says to him. And this guy, he, he ne- we, we bailed this guy out 15 times. He never gets it. What the, uh, it's, just, it's just totally frustrating. So my sponsor pulls over to the side and says, well, what are we going? What, why, why do it again? It's insanity. And he says, it's, we're not doing it because we want to. We're doing it because we have to. Right? It's not an option. Like, you don't, not that we have to be a car service, but this is the work that we have to do. When somebody puts their hand out for help, we want the hand of OA to be there, right? And that's what it is. It's not, it's, that, that is gonna benefit us. Go ahead. But in the longer run, we clearly realize that these are only the pains of growing up and not, being, not but good can come from them if we, if we turn more and more to the entire 12 steps for the answers. Now comes the biggest question yet. What about the practice? <laughs> what about the practice of these principles in all our affairs? Should we stop there? Should we? <laughs> should we take questions on that? 
Isn't isn't that like in a nutshell? Isn't that like really for me, I don't know, for Russ, that's that's my question right there. What about the practice of these principles in all our affairs? If, it, if it's not for this this program, I probably wouldn't be sitting here. Um because I have to. I have to put put this employ this in every aspect of my life or I'd probably be dead. I know it's that's heavy, but it's true. <clears throat> Not lying to you. Can can we love the whole pattern of living as e as eagerly as we do the small seg segment of it we discovered when we try to help other alcoholics achieve sobriety? Can we bring the same spirit of love and tolerance into our sometimes deranged family lives that we bring to our AA, AA group? Can we have the same kind of confidence and faith in these people? who have been infected and sometimes crippled by our own illness that we have in our own spot in our sponsors can we actually carry the aa spirit into our daily work can we meet our newly recognized responsibilities to the world at large and can we bring new purpose and devotion to the religion of our choice can we find a new joy of living and trying to do something about all these things you know that that's that right there. That paragraph, I I need to copy and just memorize. I mean, <laughs> sometimes I'm like, what's the purpose of life? That's it right there. You know, others serving others, serving everyone we're around. Um, you know, you know what's up with this disease? How we are like Peter alluded to. We're self-centered. We're into ourselves. But the, the, the gifts don't come there. Like, blessings don't come that way. And that took me forever to learn. But if we say, okay, great, yeah, I'm out of the food, I have great friends in program, and, I, and I'm living a pretty decent life now. But can I do that with my boss that drives me crazy? Mm -hmm. That I really, I do want to punch him in the face. I'm not lying to you. A couple times a day, I got to get on the phone for 10 step. Can I love and tolerate him? Where my kids chewing me out about a tank of gas last night, you know, <laughs> this is the the blessing, the gifts of this program come outside the food, in the way of life, in that working and developing the spiritual life. That's where the true freedom comes, you know. I I think for myself, the food was just a microcosm of life, of you know the the wreckage, you know, the, the, the chaos and confusion of my life. And it was in every aspect, in my house, in my business, in my relationships, financially, everything. And, you know, if I work this program for food and have the spiritual awakening and, and I can be healed of that, why can't I have that in every other aspect of my life, right? In my relationships, because I really don't, I think my boss is all right, he's not a bad guy. You know, I don't want to punch him in the face. I want to treat him with love like I treat Pete and my, you know, any friend that I'm on the phone with, I love you. Why can't I treat him that way? You know, that's the man that I, I'm trying to be. And this, my, my, my point is, is that this sums it up for me. You know, when you whittle it all down, get to the butt, that restlessness, restlessness is because I'm into me. You know, I'm into who, what I want out of it and not giving. So... That's part of it. <laughs> our, our, one of my favorite 
sentences in the big book, and Kim's going to tell us what page is on, says that <laughs> a much more important demonstration of these principles lies before us in our homes, occupations, and affairs. What page is it on? 19. 19. <laughs> um, that's what this is saying, right? We all can be OA big shots, right? I want to be the superstar, lost the most weight, best examples, you know, prettiest, smartest, all that good stuff, right? If I'm, if I'm, if I go home and you know, instruct my kids, well, you must be a potential compulsive overeater because you're enjoying that ring ding too much. <laughs> no, no. Our friend, we have a friend that says, and somebody came from somebody else that says that we must preach the gospel and if we must use words, right? Our behaviors, like this is a program of attraction rather than promotion, right? I have to be as patient, kind, tolerant, and loving outside of here. This is a safe place. I could be a total piece of garbage here because I'm gonna be loved unconditionally. Everybody's, you know what they're gonna say? Keep coming back, <laughs> keep coming back. It works if you work it, right? I've never been to an AA meeting where some, or an OA meeting where somebody was escorted out. You gotta go, unless, I actually no, somebody was disruptive and I, but this is easy here. It's, it's we're accepted, this, this is the only organization that goes into skid row, jails and institutions and recruits members. <laughs> And there are no rules and no leaders. And the highest level I can get to is member. So it's easy to be, you know, patient and tolerant in here, right? Everybody's accepting. What am I doing outside of here? Right? Am I being a am I am I giving everybody that I work with instructions on what food plan to follow? You know, this is gonna this is what you're you know, you're doing everything wrong. Am I being accepting and tolerant and loving of, of what at where everybody is in their journey? That's where the rubber meets the road for me, right? Because oh I know what's best. You know, I you know, you knew, knew my pedigree. Can let me read it off to you. Let me explain to you how special I am. No, I'm I'm supposed to carry this like that is the that that is the the essence I think of the of of the step twelve carrying this message. But what I say, I don't know about you, but you know, I'm a pretty good liar, cheat, and a thief. And when I was engaged in my disease, everybody I knew was a liar, a cheat, and a thief. Right. So. If your lips were moving, I just accepted, I just assumed you were lying because when my lips were moving, I was lying, right? So, you know, the, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not believing anything that you're saying and I know that everything I'm saying is, is a lie. I, I gotta, my behavior has to, has to show this thing, not my, not, my, not my words, is what I'm saying. Furthermore, that was for emphasis. <laughs> Furthermore, how should we come to terms with, the se with seeming failure or success? Can we now accept and adjust to either without despair or pride? Can we accept poverty, sickness, loneliness, bereavement with courage and serenity? Can we steadfastly content ourselves with the humbler, yet sometimes more durable, satisfaction when the brighter, more glittering achievements are denied us? The AA answer to these questions about living is yes, all of these things are possible. We know this because we see monotony, pain, and even calamity turned to good use 
by those who keep on trying to practice AA's 12 steps. And if these are facts of life for many alcoholics who have recovered in AA, recovered in AA, they can become the facts of life for many more. Of course, all of AA's, all of, I'm sorry, of course, all of AA's, even the best, fall far short of our such of such achievements as a consistent thing as a consistent thing without necessarily taking that first drink we often get quite far off the beam our troubles sometimes to begin with indifference we are sober and happy in our aa work things go well at home and office we naturally congratulate ourselves on what later proves to be a far too easy and superficial point of view. We temporarily cease to grow because we feel satisfied that there is no need for all of AA's 12 steps for us. We're doing fine with a few of them. Maybe we are doing fine on only two of them, the first step and that part of the 12th step where we carry the message. In AA slang, that blissful state is known as two-stepping. And it can go on for years. The best intentioned of us can fall for the two-step illusion. Sooner or later, the pink cloud stage wears off and things go disappointingly dull. We begin to think that AA doesn't pay off after all. We become puzzled and discouraged. Then perhaps life, and I'm going to stop after this paragraph, then perhaps life as it has a way of doing, suddenly hands us a big lump that we can't begin to swallow, let alone digest. We fail to get a worked-for promotion. We lose that good job. Maybe there are serious domestic or romantic difficulties, or perhaps that boy we thought God was looking after becomes a military casualty. I'm going to go on one more. What then? Have we alcoholics in AA got, or can we get, the resources to meet these calamities which come to so many. These were problems of life which could never face up, which we could never face up to. Can we now, with the help of God as we understand him, handle them as well as bravely as uh, handle them as well and as bravely as our non-alcoholic friends often do? Can we transform these calamities into assets? sources of growth and comfort to ourselves and those about us. Well, we surely have a chance if we switch from two-stepping to 12-stepping. If we are willing to receive that grace of God, which can sustain and strengthen us in any catastrophe. I'm just going to be quiet till somebody else speaks. <laughs> You know, I always can I'll speak. speak. <laughs> Hi, I'm Karen. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Hi, Karen. And, and I'm really grateful that I I haven't been in this program that long. So I didn't, I mean, it, it was August 3rd, 2017. It was the first time I ever came, well, it was the first time I ever really came into an OA meeting. So I didn't, I didn't have all this keep coming back I just found, a sponsor found me and said, let's go through the steps. 
And as I was going through the steps, I was scared of every next step. And she said, just do it. Just, you gotta get the first step positively perfect. And the other ones, just freaking do them. And that's what I did, I did them. I don't know how they work, and that's the thing. I don't know how they work, but they worked. By the ninth step, I was seeing, I, I was feeling that spiritual experience, but it was the educational variety. It did not happen fast. But, but now that I'm doing the 12th step with people, it's getting better and better. And that's what I try to tell sponsees who don't want to do this 12th step. I didn't want to do it at first. It's scary. I don't know page numbers. I don't know them. But I just went word by word by word, and, and it gets better whichever, with every new sponsee. And um, thank God. Thank God I didn't go through all this the crap of years and years and years of people saying, just keep coming back, just keep coming back. No. Come in and do it. Like, come in and stay. Do it. Just do it. It's a program of action. So I'm really grateful today. Thank you. I could go on for hours. Hours. <laughs> Our basic trouble are the same as everyone else's. There's nothing unique about our troubles. They're the same as everybody else's. How we deal with them is what makes us different. But when an honest effort is made to practice these principles in all our affairs, well-grounded AAs seem to have the ability, by God's grace, to take these troubles in stride and turn them into demonstrations of faith. We have seen AA suffer lingering and fatal illness with little complaint, and often in good cheer. We have sometimes seen families broken apart by misunderstanding, tensions, or actual infidelity who are reunited by the AA way of life. Though, though the earning power of most AA is re, AAs is relatively high, we have some members who never seem to get on their feet money-wise, and still others who encounter heavy financial reserves, I mean reverses, pardon me. Ordinarily, we see these situations met, met with fortitude and faith. And faith. Go ahead. So this, this right here, this thing how to learn and that these these trials will build endurance and my buddy Pete here <laughs> has been on a, on the phone for me so many times and over the past year we had tremendous financial issues some of my doing so and I'm cleaning them up in my amends but others I didn't know what was going on and I thought I was done I thought like that's it if I was in the food I'd be dead so God planned that out perfectly but uh and the thing that you would always say to me, and you know I hated it, I hated it. He'd say, hey, pal, it's an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity to trust. And I'm learning that there's really nothing, as long as I'm, I'm working the spiritual program, as long, long as I'm working the steps, that God shows up. He shows up even in the, in the worst situations. And I'm seeing financially miracles. My wife and I, it's like we're courting again, honestly. I'm not even BSing it. We've been together 22 years. I drove that poor lady crazy. My kids, the relationships are so much better. You know, and it's only because of this way of life, you know. My, my wife is like, yo, go to that meeting. Do what you gotta do. 
you know? But this, the, the, the calamity, these hurts, the tragedy that comes at you, it's like, you know, I don't trust anybody, really. That's the nature of who I am. And, you know, I, I'm so cocky, I don't trust God, right? That the, 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 the being that put every little thing together in me, I don't trust. And through this program, I'm learning through these hardships, just like Pete said, God shows up. And it's not necessarily the way I want it. It's not like, oh, it's perfect. But I see how God is preparing me. And the, the hardships, these things that are going on, are not. this is not about reclaiming my life. This is about giving it to someone else, sharing it with someone else, using these things to empower somebody, getting, not that I'm going to get them closer to God, but hold their hand. You know, bring, bring, through, they have the, the disease, but, you know, to, to help them by your experiences, giving them a view. And, you know, the 12-step work, it's such, it's such a privilege. It's a privilege. Like, this is intimate. No, it's intimate. People share with you things that they haven't shared with their friends and family that they know in their whole life. And like, that's a high calling. And to me, that's a, that's a gift. That's not, I don't take that lightly. I'm not, and it's only because of this and because of these, you know, the calamity and, you know, how am I gonna pay for this? And man, she forgot the taxes on this building for three years. Like, you know, these, these things that are going on that I can, it's just weird how it works out. Maybe it's not weird, to me it's weird because I'm a human being, I don't understand it. But how each one of these things in my life through this program have brought me closer to God, trusting God, right? Trusting God and be able to share that and, and, and have God communicate to me that, you know, the purpose is not Russ. It ain't Russ. It's not about your family either. It's about sharing and giving of yourself to someone else. That's self-sacrifice and service. So I always think which makes... Wait, one what, second. I'm going to stop the recording because we're at the hour. So... And then we'll continue in a minute. Okay. Okay.